Welcome to the CE Pro Podcast. I'm Executive Editor Arlen Schweiger. COVID-19 has put an emphasis on solid home networks like never before. The surge in home offices, homeschooling, and enjoying home entertainment via streaming AV has been remarkable. Yet poor networks still abound. Why is that? Well, three industry experts joined CE Pro's Jason Knott to discuss the situation, as well as the ramifications of these crummy networks on voice control, service revenues, and other key elements of the custom electronics industry. Hi, Jason Knott with CE Pro, and I'm excited to be joined today by three experts in the industry for a fascinating discussion that we're going to have about the state of home networking and the growing desire for various types of interfaces, namely voice interface for the smart home today. You know, we know right now with coronavirus, there's never a better time to be talking about the value of a home network. And we know that the trends are on the upward side for voice control, yet in the field, we're still hearing anecdotally about so many integrators out there who are not taking their network seriously. So we're gonna talk about that today. With me today are Josh Rich, who is president of Rich AV Design in Stamford, Connecticut. Hi, Josh. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks for joining me today. Also with me, Alex Capasolatro, CEO of Josh AI. Hi, Josh. Oh, hi, Josh. Hi, Alex. I knew I was gonna do that. Funny anecdote, when Josh Rich had first reached out about becoming a Josh dealer, I kept getting confused about like, is this an internal thing? Like who's like, Instead of calling a person Josh, I was calling the person the company. Yeah. Thank God that our last guest is not named Josh. Uh, Hagai Feiner, founder and CEO of Access Networks. Hi, Hagai. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. All right, Hagai, let me start with you. Um, you know, I kind of said it in the preface there, but right now with COVID-19, uh, there is really the best opportunity for integrators to be talking about network upgrades with their clients, correct? Why is that? Um, I agree. Um, I think historically the networking conversation has been a difficult one simply because the network doesn't really appeal to any of the senses, meaning it doesn't sound good, it doesn't look good. There is really nothing sensual that it brings to to the homeowner. But what COVID did for all of us uh, as a service is create a situation where the homeowner is forced to deal with living in this home 24 seven, where all the family members are there. Everybody has whatever it is that they demand from the network. And I think between schooling and the need to, to be able to work, the, the Zoom conferences, just like what we're doing now, um, have created a load on the network that maybe until that point wasn't there and forced the homeowner to come to you know, their own conclusions about what they have, what they need, where they spend their budget, right? What, what does this budget go to uh, when it comes to spending money in a home? And it's become a priority. So if it used to be a push and maybe an argument for the integrator, hey, we need to do a better network, install a better network with a whole set of parts and here's how it's gonna be configured. Homeowners traditionally don't wanna have those conversations, but now they're the ones coming to the integrator saying, I need an upgrade. We're, you know, we're leaving from the city to another house that we have, make sure that it's ready for us. We've seen all over the board um, in the last three months, a whole host of upgrades uh, to, to existing systems, to systems that we've, you know, let's say never installed before and 
they get replaced with newer gear now. And this is this opportunity is probably here to stay. Um, but now as the economy is reopening and people are allowing uh, integrators back into their homes, great opportunity for us to get back in there and uh, refresh that network. So Alex, we know that the home network's vital from the uh, home office standpoint. We know it's vital for streaming media. How vital is the solid network for voice control to work properly and most effectively? I mean, it's, it's critical. And I, I think what people often forget about when it comes to voice control, and in particular when it comes to Josh, the, the voice control element is basically a control system. So it needs to be talking over the network to your streaming music, your streaming video, your lights, your shades, your thermostats. In order for voice control to work, all of that needs to be true. And if your network is not strong, if you have devices that are dropping off the network or having problems, it's going to really interfere with voice control. And even if everything is set up well, but you just have a really slow connection or maybe your access points are too far away, you have to go out to the cloud for any voice control system today. So that you know will interfere with how quickly do you get a response? Does a response get dropped at all, which certainly can happen. And to me, it's just such an obvious thing. And one of the reasons I was excited about this panel is it's so obvious to me, it's so obvious to a guy, it's probably very obvious to Josh Rich, but we now work with over 500 dealers at Josh who are certified and we still see this problem happening far too often. So it's either that it's not obvious to dealers or it is obvious, but the clients push back and they're not drawing the line saying, look, if you don't want to upgrade your network, no problem, but no voice control for you. You know, we need the soup Nazi in there if they're not willing to upgrade their, their network. All right, well, let's turn to the soup Nazi on the panel, uh, Josh Rich. Josh, first tell us a little bit about Rich AV Design and then also tell us how important it is for you to build robust home networks for your clients. Yeah, so I'm a custom integrator. I started the company in 2001, about 19 years ago. Um, and we grew from just me to now we have seven employees and we specialize in the high-end residential control and automation space. Um, like Alex and Hagai said, I mean, so many of the things in our daily life are network-based. Um, phones, music players, voice control, and the list goes on. Having a solid wired and wireless network is the foundation to a fast and trouble-free uh, trouble smart home. So uh, in the scope of the whole job, the network is a single point of failure. If you put in something that's not reliable, you're playing roulette with um, you know, the service end of your business and you're just waiting to get that call on Thanksgiving, like your customers having family over and they're stressing the system more than normal and things are not working properly, which means you now need to fix it uh, fast. The customer may, might feel like this is your fault um, and they're embarrassed. Uh, so what we do to avoid these situations is putting in enterprise grade networks. So to Hagai's point, when we opened up about now being the best time in, the, in this uh, era of COVID-19, has that, have you seen it place a greater emphasis on the network for yourself and your customers? Josh? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were That's talking to Hagai. No. Yeah. So for many years, you know, the technology in a person's home was considered recreational for lack of a better word. Um, it was important that it worked, but maybe they didn't have the fastest internet available or maybe that outdoor access point, you know, was something that got taken out of the original scope. 
that's all changed now. Not only do we have one or two parents working from home, but their kids are also going to school at home. The network became for so many something that was once for email and Netflix to now hosting multiple video conferences, Wi-Fi calling at the same time. So now more than ever, having like a solid network is really important. So uh, Alex, let me go back to something you mentioned about how you still see this pervasiveness in the field with uh, poor networks. Let's talk a little bit about that. You know, why is, do you think that is happening? Is it because as a guy said, it's this invisible thing that's not visual, it's not tangible, people can't touch the network and so the homeowner doesn't see the value there, but it doesn't really make sense for an integrator not to see that value. What do you think? I mean, I, I think a guy really nailed it when you're providing a bid to a client and everything starts adding up and they're kind of getting glossy eyed saying, you know, this is twice the budget I was thinking about. Cuts have to start happening. And they're saying, you know, I don't want to make cuts on my sound system. I want to have great music and I don't want to make cuts on my lighting system. That's what I need to you know, see. But on the network, it can feel from the customer's perspective, like, oh, that's the easiest thing to cut out or to downgrade or to modify. And I, I've come to learn that there's a really tricky dance the dealer has to play with a customer where you don't want to feel like you're pushing too hard. You don't want to feel like you're overselling. But at the same time, there needs to be a point where you put your foot down and say, look, if you're not willing to meet the minimum requirements, I'm not going to work on your home because it's going to be a support nightmare. And I just think a lot of dealers are not willing to do that. They basically say, all right, if you know 100K is not going to work, but you're willing to pay 50 and the speakers are going to cost 25 and lighting, you know, we'll put in an Euro network or something that's, you know, maybe not going to be sufficient for a large home or a complicated home. And the dealer's just happy to close the sale. They're happy that they got the business, but not necessarily thinking about, ooh, this is going to be a nightmare. I'm going to get that call on Thanksgiving morning. And it's the call no dealer wants, but you don't want to lose the sale. And so I think that's a problem that isn't necessarily addressed, um, but we as an industry can certainly do a better job at figuring out how to tell the story about why the network is so important. Now, doesn't Josh AI have a little bit of a less reliance on that network or the cloud, I should say, than maybe some of the other voice control systems out there? Is that advantageous? But even with that uh, capability, it still requires the robust network. Correct. I, I think a great way to think about it is you could have a wireless device, a Wi-Fi device, or you could power with PoE. Many devices will work in both instances, but we know that the PoE device is going to be more reliable and more stable. It's the same thing with Josh. Yes, the dependency on the network is less, but having a weaker network just increases the chances that something doesn't work. And you know it's going to be that time when you've got your boss over for dinner or your investor or your you know, girlfriend or whoever it happens to be, and you're wanting to really make sure things work. And if that's when you have a network problem, ooh, it's not good. So yes, you're right in that the network dependency is less for Josh relative to others, but that still doesn't mean, you know, we'd recommend sacrificing on it. Guy, could you talk a little bit about what Access Networks brings to the table in terms of kind of this, um, you know, all wrapped up in a bow solution for the integrator? So it's, it's not this uh, monumental task to try and bring a uh, high, robust network to the clientele? Sure. And I, I think that for us, you can go and get the gear anywhere, right? So all the hardware we use is 
generally available in the marketplace. And you can, as an integrator, you can try and figure this out on your own. And what I've learned over time is that there is more about networking that I don't know than the stuff that I do know. And the only way for me, even at Access, to grow the business is to bring in people who are smarter than me, who know networking at a depth that I don't. And together we've created a, a team of 40 people that are completely laser focused on taking enterprise grade gear and putting it in the home. And so what that creates is uh, a system that we have from design into engineering, programming, commissioning that is aiming at delivering the project to the expectation of the integrator and the homeowner. And so I, I know that there is a knowledge gap in the industry and it's been like this for, for a long time. Um, and as far as you would try to educate yourself as an integrator, there's always going to be something that you don't know in the same way that I don't know it to that depth. And that is what exactly why we've created a team of people uh, here at Access that will help you create that system. You don't have to know the details of, you know, all the little pieces of code that we put in there to make stuff work, but we understand latency and we know that we, we want low latency across all the jobs that we deploy and we know troubleshooting and we understand how Crestron NVX works, for example. And so even, you know, for Ruckus, we represent almost like a buffer, if you will, when it comes to programming, commissioning support, where if you call Ruckus and say, I have an NVX problem, they're going to just not really know what you're talking about. Um, in the same way, if you had a problem with Josh AI, and usually it's not Josh, it's, it's really the network that, that is the problem. Um, this is why we exist. It's the gap in the market that we fill uh, with specific industry knowledge, both on the AV and integration side and the networking side that helps any integrator, really anyone, uh, take a network that we, we build and go deploy it in a matter of hours, usually. And by the way, this is not rare just to, to integrators. Our, our CFO for the longest time didn't want a network from Access Networks to be installed at our house. Well, COVID hits, her calls drop. She's up in the hills here in, in Beverly Hills. She lives there with her husband and she's unable to work, unable to communicate because there's no cell service. So even Wi-Fi calling is just jittery. And to a point where I said, hey, you know what? This is not a request, this is an order you have to take a network from us and we'll design it for you, we'll program it for you and, and ship it over. And her integrator who's been troubleshooting her home network for weeks without being able to make progress nor billing, right? Because she's frustrated. He can't bill her because it's a network he installed and it's supposed to work. And lo and behold, replace the network with our system and she's communicating, her Zoom calls are not dropping anymore. Uh, we can actually understand what she's saying. And this is a critical element of our business. This is common across the board. This is not just uh, an external issue to the clients that we hear uh, about here and there. This is even, you know, happens to us. And believe me, it happens uh, to us too on this end. So let's uh, get kind of an in the field perspective again. Uh, Josh at, at Rich AV Design, <clears throat> tell us a little bit, what is your, let's dig in the details. What is your basic network consist of? And, and how are you being augmented with, by access networks? Okay, so the most basic network that we'll put in is 
a dedicated router, not the router that the cable company will likely give you. Uh, access points, one per every 1,100 square feet or so. PoE network switch. Um, and we also include a blue bolt on every job that will automatically reboot the network if it sees that there's no internet. Um, that's like the most basic and we grow from there. Um, we use access networks for many of our jobs and you know, that's augmented really in a way I can't put into words. I mean, using access networks is the only reason that we can have this bottom line of not having texts that are CCNAs and other, you know, really in-depth, um, you know, programmers. Um, with access networks, like they literally provide you with a pre-programmed system and a schematic on how to properly plug it in, assuming that your employees can follow a drawing and properly plug everything in, you're 90% done in, uh, in a very short amount of time. After that, you know, we call them to review, which is something that they do on the spot. They check for um, interference issues. They would get any wiring issues at that point. And once you've done that, which is usually not more than an hour or so, you're done done. So going back to what uh, Alex and I were talking about, it's about so many integrators out there that are still cutting corners. Your peers out there, you obviously get it. Um, do you care if there are other integrators who aren't doing it? Because that makes put even puts even more value on what you bring to the table, or does that besmirch what you do as a, a, overall? And maybe that is a call that you don't even get to upgrade the network because they're like, screw this, I don't want to deal with integrators, they don't know how to handle my network. What, what do you think's going on out there? Uh, do I care that other, what other integrators are yeah. doing? If they cut corners? Yeah. Um, we get a lot of business, honestly, from, you know, com uh, customers that have gone with integrators that have made mistakes or not done the right thing by them. Um, education is a lot of uh, why that happens, I think. Um, when integrators cut corners, I feel like it's for a few reasons. Either they have, either maybe it's a new company and they haven't been burned by all the costs that you incur when you sell a customer you know, an A experience, but then they actually get a C or D experience and it's on your dime to fix it. Um, or possibly they haven't used a quality network before and they don't see the difference or know what the difference is. Maybe they don't understand the difference. Um, if, you know, you asked an integrator that cut corners why they do it and they said it was because they make more money, you know, I could spend hours arguing why they're not making more money by doing that. How do you demo it? Uh, you know, we talked about this invisible uh, element of the network. How do you demo it? Is there some foolproof way to really show the customer when you walk in the difference between having a good network and a, and a crummy one that comes from the cable company? You know, there's not in the sales phase. Um, this is where trust comes in. And this is just the beginning of the trust relationship between you and your customer, which is a whole nother, you know, a whole nother panel. But um, it's trust and education, which is really where you're showing them why it's going to make a difference in advance. And just to uh, kind of put a nail on that uh, final point I was talking to Alex about, have you seen differences in the performance of the network uh, for voice control when you have a poor network versus a solid, robust one? 
Yeah, so it really doesn't matter as much if it's voice control or some other device. Uh, anything like that is essentially a subsystem of the network. And if you don't have a strong network, you can't expect any of these other subsystems to perform properly. So I actually have a comment about that. Um, what happens now with, with Josh AI um, and, and voice control is something that I see as the, the advancement of technology, right? So to me, being able to control something with your voice is probably the, you know, the holy grail of control. Maybe it's not viewed as such yet by all, but the way I see it is I'd rather have less buttons and I'd rather not mess around with a touch panel. I'd rather just say what I want to say and have the system do it. And I've seen it work um, at, at the Josh AI office at Alex's home. It's phenomenal. It's really, to, to see that happen is magic. But what this application creates, and I, I think, you know, think about this from a 10,000 foot view. When I started in this industry in 2002, all the, all the client needed was internet access. Did it really matter? Latency and throughput and all that stuff? It, it was basic internet. There was no video online either. None of those applications existed. Fast forward to today, we're streaming, we're, we're working at home, we're studying at home, and we're going into voice. And if you're an integrator thinking that you can pull off voice controls without a strong network, then you're dead wrong. And here's why. It's not about throughput. It's not about how much speed you have. It's about latency. It's about delay. If we don't build networks, and it doesn't matter, forget access, for example. Talk about the channel. As a channel, if we don't build networks that have low latency, the client's going to speak a command, and then they're going to wait and wait and wait until something happens. And if they have to wait too long, at some point, their brain's going to say, OK, this is a service call. And we don't have a way around that but to install a solid network. And again, to me, what Josh AI represents is the wave of the future. It's stuff that we haven't done before that I think will become the new standard. Just like shading, well, it wasn't something we did, and now we do it. Lighting, you know, I'm building a house in Santa Monica. Guess what? The integrator walked in and took over the lighting job in, in a 10-minute conversation. And the electrician stepped back. Those budgets are being reappropriated, and the integrator is now taking a bigger chunk of the job because they can. Voice is going to become one of those categories. Just to jump in quick. Go, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, so a couple kind of quick points. Uh, I think Hagai brings up a really good um, point just to remember, we're installing products that are going to live in someone's home for 5, 10, 15 years or longer. We don't know what's going to exist, you know, 10 years out. But moving, you know, as far along that, that path of robustness on networks and latency and, you know, as you move into 5G and all this stuff, that will make our projects at least a little more future-proofed. I know we hate that term, but it at least helps us think about where things are going because we're not going to watch lower quality video. We're not going to, you know, watch less video. We're not going to use less voice control. It'll be the opposite. And so we're going to have higher demand and that's fairly, fairly certain. I also want to quickly point out, it's not just about the pipe coming into the home. The internal network can be misconfigured in so many different ways. And I think people often forget about the fact that by having not just the right gear, but installing it the right way, there's a lot of internal communication that has to happen that 
no matter if your voice control is online or offline, there still needs to be an internet. And so this gets into problems where if you have your device running on Wi-Fi, but your access points are facing the wrong direction, you could have problems, you can have interference. We've seen all sorts of things with VLANs come up. It, it really kind of spirals. And having someone like Access Networks in your corner, they really help guarantee that you're running you know, the best practices, your network's easy to diagnose. And if you do have a problem, what I love about these guys, just give them a call and they can remote in and see what's going on. It's, it's really great. I do wanna ask Hagai though, now that we're talking a little bit about the future and, and where we see the industry going, one of the things that we anecdotally hear as pushback is a great network is a substantial investment. And some projects just, if their entire budget is a smaller project, a ten dollars to $15,000 project, the network could double that. I'm curious, Hagai, where do you see your side of the business going? And do you see the cost coming down in the near term or, or not necessarily? So lots of things on the table. That's a good question. To a certain degree, cost always comes down with new generations of product. Uh, what we've seen over the years is that it actually kind of stayed the same, although the next generation of switches now from Ruckus, which we are branding as Access Networks, has reduced the cost of what we do substantially. What we're contemplating, and this, is, this idea has been in the air for, for a while, is AV as a service, allowing um, homeowners to lease the equipment if they wanted to. Um, if there is a specific requirement, we always have integrators saying, hey, it's just not in the budget. Can we do something else? Um, and there will always be some way we can make it more efficient. Uh, but generally speaking, the hardware is going to be a little more expensive on the enterprise side. Although if you look at straight up parts, again, part against part, you know, what we sell, what Snap sells, it's about the same price at this point. So for let's say a 48 port POE switch. A managed system costs you a little more, but it comes with you know the backbone of our engineering team is 14 people now. And so there and there is knowledge level there all the way to CCIE. How much do you pay for that salary? If that all that um, energy and knowledge is baked into the smallest network you can buy. It's to me it's priceless. Like not having headaches, not having to go back in the age of COVID and installing it once and installing it right. It's, it's what clients want, even if they don't realize it in the moment, they're flipping through that estimate. You know, staying on that crystal ball uh, scenario, a guy, what do you say to the, the people out there who say, ah, oh, the network's going to give you replaced by 5G cellular? Well, so 5G... And, and you hit it on the head, cellular. Does a homeowner want all of their devices on 5G? What's gonna be compatible with 5G? There's always gonna be the top one of the 1% that will choose to have 5G as their LTE, private LTE network, which is doable. And then from there, you know, from the head end, you can go out to the, to the world. Let's say I can see that application happening, let's say on Long Island, where they have historically bad cell because uh, they won't allow more cell towers to be installed. That could happen. But Wi-Fi is going to be around. It's going to be around for a long time. Um, it's going to support Wi-Fi 6. Actually has a lot of improvements for IoT devices, devices that go to sleep and wake up to make them more efficient and help them preserve battery. 
lower latency, which is again what we talked about. So I think Josh AI and Wi-Fi 6 are going to be very good friends because of the lower latency capabilities of, of Wi-Fi 6. Uh, but you're always going to need a private network because you're always going to want stuff to be behind a firewall and that's privately yours and you're you're installing it with the intent of it remaining that way, remaining private. So all those devices are not just going to be going to the internet, especially, you know, you know what's happening in the world. People get hacked. I think it's going to be a compatibility issue and a security issue. So the way we're going to address it is continuing on the path of Wi-Fi. Um, Josh, let me come back to you. We were talking about some of the business uh, management elements of this and remoting in and service. Tell us a little bit about how you utilize the remote management uh, structure and, and do you have service agreements in place for your customers? What do you do there? Yeah, so we partner with uh, One Vision Resources for our support that allows us to leverage, you know, another much larger company than ours to provide things like 24-7 support. And we have three service plans that we offer, three paid plans. And depending on which plan you're on depends on how much, if any, remote support you get. And if it's justified, we do charge for remote support if we have to log in and do something, fix something remotely. Um, in terms of network management, you know, we use a combination of Blue Bolts, uh, Ahiji, which is soon to be Oversee, um, Ruckus Zone Directors, or on Leech System, if possible. Uh, with our access network systems, they have a live monitor, which gives them visibility into what we're doing. And then, um, our primary control system is Savant. So hopefully we would have a pro host or maybe a camera server or something else so we could have an actual computer on site. And uh, depending on the job, those are the things that we leverage for that kind of thing. Yeah, I think having the network as a kind of that base element of your remote service plans is, you know, that's what, that's the, uh, the, the towing in the AAA card, you know, the AAA service. You have, everybody always wants to look for that, that slam dunk service that you can put in the service agreement. It's got, it's the network. So, all right, let me go down the line. <clears throat> One last comment from everybody. Um, what would be the takeaway for an integrator? And I'll start with you, Hagai, on what they should be focusing on right now for boosting their networking business. So I think one thing that a lot of integrators don't like to do is going back to your, your old clients and seeing how they're doing and seeing if there is anything that they need in their home with everything that's going on. And so that's, a, that's an easy way to, to go into an upgrade path. We have a trade-in program, so you can trade in anyone's gear for a credit. We want those homeowners on current technology. And I think that conversation can open up a whole host of conversations, which is maybe why they're not going back there, about upgrades and changes and modifications. But this is, you know, the reality we live in is one that requires us to go back to existing clients and talk to them about what they have. We have networks out there that are over 10 years old and the integrators are saying, hey, I, I don't want to have that conversation. They're happy and therefore I'm not going to go back. But I think it's a huge uh, revenue stream that we're not necessarily tapping into systematically uh, as an industry. And so that, that would be an easy one for me. That's a good message. Josh, how about you? What's a good message out there for integrators right now that they, that they should be focused on doing? Uh, I mean, I would say like if you're an integrator that has no experience with enterprise level gear or 
anything like that, I would say educate yourself. Go talk to your rep, maybe talk to a fellow integrator and see what they think. You know, you'll really be surprised at how much money you'll save on labor and service calls by putting your best foot forward with a good network. All right. Uh, final thoughts from you, Alex. Yeah, there, there are kind of two things that are coming to mind. The first one we addressed briefly earlier, but I would have a um, essentially requirement list spelled out that your entire team is in agreement on in terms of in order to work on a project for a client, what are you demanding from a networking perspective and, and from a really architectural perspective? Because I think too many folks start with an ideal and then they get just hammered down to a point where they know they're putting in a subpar system. And so I would just try to figure out what is that minimum requirement that you will walk away from a project if the client is not willing to put in, you know, a certain grade network or certain grade products. The other thing, just kind of off the topic of networking, but general advice, we're in a really interesting time. In March, there was a lot of uncertainty with COVID. A lot of places closed down. As a, a business, we actually saw March and April as two of our best months we've ever had. I imagine Hagai had very similar outcomes. Um, and as a result, our dealers are out selling. They're doing quite well in most cities. Um, granted, there are definitely areas that are hit worse, but there are a lot of indicators suggesting that we might have a second wave coming. We might have an economic recession coming. And so my attitude is this is the time to double down, to work hard. I know it's summer. I know people want to go on vacation, but I feel like clients are at home. They're ready to make updates. They, they understand the value. And I worry that if you don't really push hard right now on, on selling and installing and getting projects in, we might not have the same opportunity in the fall. You know, doctor friends are saying when it gets, you know, into flu season, there might be a whole second wave. We might not be able to go on job sites. So I would definitely push hard right now um, if you're able to. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Hagai. Thanks for joining CE Pro today. Thank you so much for having us.